You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. Follow along on social media at Collected Workshops, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and to learn more. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 21 of The Collected Podcast. I'm Jess Biondo. And I'm Tia McNelly. We're so pumped to bring you part two of our conversation with Kim Honeycutt. If you have not listened to last week's episode, which is the first part of our conversation, I highly recommend that you go ahead, push pause, go back, listen to that one first, and you're going to want to come right back for this one this week. So um, we hope that this serves you. And uh, here's Kim. So God made us wired for a connection. When there is trauma and there's threat in your life and danger, you become wary of connection. Because you get wounded in it. So people are either in connection or protection. So if you're in survival mode, like we talked about with the sympathetic and the dorsal, you're you're just in survival mode, which means you're just you're protecting yourself constantly instead of actually being connected. And what we're actually all looking for in this is connection. And that is part of why when COVID-19 started, the struggle was, because think about it, since you were born, your life has been about connection, about your, your mom and dad connecting to you. It's about eye contact. It's about um, attunement. It's about being able to explore. It gets all these things. And then when COVID started, it, you were told your survival was based on not connecting. Mm, wow. So, and what trauma is, is disconnection. And what addiction is, is disconnection. Mm. Because it becomes behavior to cover that disconnection. Wow. So, so we always have to give each other grace because now we're in this state of lack of connection. And then all this has started And it's needed to start. Like, we need a reform. We need something to be different. But it's happening in a time where there's so much disconnection. And I think that's why we're seeing so much primal fear on social media and and in different different ways. Wow. That people are coming at each other. And this is the time to be co-regulating, right, and be for each other. And the more we're around people and we co-regulate... That is what gets us gets us away from the emotional dysregulation that so many of us have around around the topic of racism. Talk more about co-regulation because for people who are not in therapy, that's an unfamiliar term. Yeah, I love the term co-regulation. Mm-hmm. I just do. So a lot of us have emotional dysregulation, right? And so if you're in survival mode, and again, like if you're unless you're in ventral vagal, which is social engagement then you are a lot of times in survival mode, which means it's just protection. doesn't allow for the connection. And that's the, what the enemy wants, mm-hmm. right? He wants us all disconnected. Totally. So when you are, um, like, um, most likely, Tia, when you had your kids, you co-regulated with them, right? Mm-hmm. You had touch and you paid attention to their needs. You had attunement with them. There was a comfort. You could be relaxed around them. They were obviously relaxed around you. I don't know if you really got to relax on them, but because um, <laughs> you probably do it a thousand things. But there's a relaxation. So we meet people in life that we that really are attuned to us. And that is my role as, as a therapist is that I'm attuned to you 
you have my 100% attention and we actually co-regulate together. You'll feel warmth. You'll feel a nurturing. And that is when you're at your best. Totally. That is when I can have a posture of curiosity or compassion towards my issues, towards what's going on, towards what the events of the world. And I can look at it through different lenses instead of just looking at it as how I've always seen it. So good. What are, what are barriers to co-regulation? Like if, say you have relationships where you are constantly ill at ease with someone that you care about, like mm-hmm. what is happening there? What are those barriers? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. There's so many barriers. And I mean, the toxicity, that is, that is such a, that's so hard because really if someone's toxic, then I strongly suggest you do, as the Bible says, Jesus told people like, brush off your Birkenstocks and, and go on <laughs> and go on. Like there are certain towns. He was like, Hey, don't go there. They're like, why? He's like, Oh, listen, listen, disciples. I'm telling you, don't go into that town. There's yeah. too much toxicity. So there's certain people who aren't, aren't like whatever they're doing works for them. People only do what works for them. Mm-hmm. So if you're around somebody and it works for them to, to, actively participate in racism which is very different than out of just being ignorant and not knowing right Two totally different very things. different yeah and so i i'm i'm not going to talk to them and i don't know if we're recording this point when, we, when i said that i've unfriended probably 30 people mm-hmm. on facebook because of the toxicity that was coming towards me versus people who because when you're ignorant that's a starting place of learning that's all that is there's that's no a shame really great way that. to put that yeah. Yeah. There's no shame on it. It just means I don't know. So inform me. And the enemy wants you to have false guilt and shame in thinking because you don't know at this age, at this time, that something's wrong with you. That's mm-hmm. the voice of, of shame. That's the enemy. Mm-hmm. Right. My, my friends of, of color, they're okay with you not knowing if you're willing to learn. Right. Like, it's, it's okay to be in kindergarten. If you haven't gone to college yet about racism or about even understanding what's happened in a pandemic, because none of us have been through one before. Right. Where's, where's, where's the grace? And so the starting place of understanding co-regulation and finding, understanding of anything different in life is self-observation with grace. It's good. No one changes out of judgment. If I'm being judgmental towards myself or you, nothing changes. Yep. That's good. Right? So one way of knowing that you are in your inventory bagel, social engagement, which means you're co-regulating that you're being yourself. You're being who God says you are. Is what that means. That's good. Is do you think of options? I'll, I'll give you an example. It's one of the few things that makes me sound like a good person. Here's an example. <laughs> so, <laughs> there are a lot of examples. So I got three. This is one of them. That when I see people driving completely by themselves with a mask on, my first thought has been superiority because I understand medically why you wear a mask and you don't need one when you're by yourself. And here's, and then I push that aside because see, I know that's not who I am in his eyes. I know that's not, that's not my essence. It's not who I really am. So then my next thought is, well, maybe they have dexterity. I can't even say that. Dexterity. Thank you. I don't know why they couldn't come out. Problems that they couldn't, they, had to have someone put it on for them and they mm-hmm. can't take it off. Yep. What if they, there's a perfect way of putting it on and now they don't want to mess with it. See, I can think of options when I'm in social engagement 
and I'm not in survival state. You're giving them the benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt and, and assuming the best as opposed to the worst. Right. Yeah. And so even if they don't know medically and they're wearing one, does it change my life? Do mm-hmm. I need to have an opinion about that? But when we get into that. Why are you calling you me on my crap right now, Kim? What? <laughs> I do the always, same thing. I see it. I'm like, because I'm a nurse. And I'm like, guys, yeah, not necessary. Right. <laughs> right. Not necessary. What are you doing? Well, there might be another reason why they're doing it. Yep. Either way, in that moment, what I just did, if I stay in that first thought, is I separate from myself and I don't trust God with all my heart. Yeah. I, I've Proverbs 3, 5 means so much to me. Because trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. My initial understanding of most situations comes from trauma. Yeah. Wow. So I can't trust it. Mm. And you will put your trust somewhere at all times. Are you putting it in God? Wow. Mm. Yeah. I can trust fear before I trust consistency. Mm. All right. I, I can trust a pattern way before I trust God because that's what I've done most of my life. Yeah. Wow. So it's going to go somewhere. So now I've learned, might as well put in God. Might as well try something new. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, okay, I have yeah. I have two kind of specific questions that I've been dying to ask you. Mm-hmm. And um, one, I'll just, I'll stick kind of to your, how we're treating each other in public forums like social media. Mm-hmm. I have found myself, so maybe this is like a mask situation where I need to just like, get back to where I should be. Right. Um, But I get really frustrated when I see people who really mean well, and they're, they're, they're trying to be helpful and help people do Mm. their best at this whole anti-racism thing. And yet everybody has like their way that it should be done. And if you're Mm. doing this, this and this, it's not enough. Or if you're doing this and not that, then you're wrong and you're not actually doing it. I just would love for you to speak to that mentality and maybe give someone out there some peace if they feel like no matter where they are, if they're if they're just starting or if they've been doing the work of anti-racism their entire life, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. they are feeling like what they're doing is not enough because of other people's opinions and what other people are saying mm-hmm. on social media, what can you mm-hmm. say to them to give them peace today? Yeah, yeah that's good. So it's still, just remember, whatever you're dealing with the check-in about safety, COVID and racism comes down to safety. Yep. And so when I'm in that, when I'm in that connection to him, then it's really about reminding myself what I'm doing today is good enough. I have nothing to prove. When you live in blame, which means you're taking on stuff that's not really yours, Mm -hmm. you will spend your whole day trying to prove yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. See, see, my Savior took all that on the cross. He, he's already taken all of it. And so I, I think something in a spiritual sense of understanding, of kind of marking where we are, so it can't be based on other people. I cannot compare myself to other people. I will come up short every time. Yeah. And so I really, so I, I want to look at Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. On Friday, he was crucified of every bit of shame, blame, rejection, Every sin, he was crucified for it. On Saturday, it was buried. On Sunday, he was resurrected. So in a part of my life, am I willing to look at, am I crucifying myself? Am I crucifying someone else? Mm-hmm. Using the same things yeah. that he's already been crucified for. Am I using those things? 
out of my ignorance, out of my pain, out of my trauma? Mm. Am I using that to hurt myself or someone else? So if I hear someone else is doing something in particular or telling me to deal with anti-racism a certain way, I have to read a certain book. I have to do a certain thing. If I hear that and then I go into shame and blame, I'm now crucifying myself. Yeah. There will be no change. I'm going to stay on Friday. Mm-hmm. There's a little so hope in that. This, there's no hope in that. Yeah. So I, so the, to me, like the, the middle of the cross is the, is the intervention. And at the intervention, at the intersection is where there's an intervention. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was taught when I got sober. So those who don't know, I've been sober for a long time. This guy named Alan taught me, he said, Kim, the, the vertical part of the cross is relationship with God. To the horizontal relationship with other people. Hmm. He said, You focus on relationship with God before you look at relationship with people. That's good. And where the cross meets, and this is not his stuff, this is what God gave me. This place where the cross meets for horizontal and vertical, right there, that's your intersection. Yes. That's where grace is. That's where mercy is. That's where social justice is. That's where empathy is. Yeah. And so, how do I get, what intervention do I need to get there? If you shame and blame me, I won't get there. Mm-hmm. The cross won't be empty. I won't mm-hmm. be able to see it. Right? So then I have to look at, am I, am I buried underneath my shame and blame? Or am I, or if I buried it? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So if I'm giving myself a hard time, because people do one or two things and blame. They say, um, well, you're the one that thinks that. And so they just deflect. Or I go, oh, I'm the one that thought that. I'm a piece of shoe shoe. Either way, shoe shoe no, no good. Shoe shoe no good. <laughs> so that's the thing. It goes back to Galatians five one. I've been set free for freedom. Yeah. The yoke of slavery is what I'm talking about. This the shame, blame, and rejection. That is your yoke of slavery. Yeah. If I'm going to get to Sunday and be resurrected, which means it's renewed mind, it's new thoughts. I can interact differently. I can stay in a, listen, I can talk to a Buddhist all day long. I can talk to an atheist. I'm not going to move from where I am relationship with the Lord. Right. So if you can't hear black people share their experience with you, if you think it's going to get on you or whatever it is, I suggest you give yourself grace and go back to where am I on this? Where am I on this three-day revival? And honestly, I would go back to Thursday and I would start where Jesus said, Father God, I don't want to look at this. I don't want to go through this. This is going to hurt. You're going to have to help me with this. Mm, that's so good, Kim. Yeah. And that's, that's just what we ha- not have to do. You don't have to do anything. But, right, like just if we're going to really get this, to really understand that what I did today with anti-racism, to help people understand COVID-19, whatever it is, to help them understand their trauma from childhood, whatever it is, I've got to believe unless I hear directly from the Lord on my run, that it's enough. It's enough. Then I'm enough. Yeah. Because he said yeah. it. He said it. Yeah. Mm. Right? That's so good. Mm. Thank you. I think that You're that's going to be really helpful. It's helpful to me, and I know it'll be helpful to others. Good. So my only other question for you, not probably not my only one, but the one that was on my mind to ask yeah. you today was, I wanted to put this concept of dismissing and invalidating each other's pain out mm, there for you. Because mm, yeah, um, yeah. I feel like, and this is something I had to, real quick, I want to give kind of a picture that the Lord gave me to help me with yeah. the tension 
of all these different thought processes and perspectives. And that was a, mm-hmm. he, he showed me like a pond with lily pads on it. Mm-hmm. And cause I felt like a frog trying mm-hmm. to like sprawl out and, and have my weight on all these different, really dif- difficult concepts like white fragility and, mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. implicit bias and being a police officer's wife yeah. and being yeah. pro-police and anti-racism at the same time. Absolutely. And that tension that that brings because people want mm-hmm. us to be so binary right now. Right. And so, so the Lord was like, you can really only be on one at a time. Now, mm. lily pads exist to give a landing place for things to come and grow and be nourished. So right. you just land where you are for today, for this moment, grow mm-hmm. and be nourished. And when mm-hmm. you're strong and mature enough, you can hop to the next lily pad. But mm-hmm. the frog never gets to be the bird. The bird, right. the Lord, can see the whole pond at the whole time, the whole time, and see that there's no one path around from lily pad to lily pad. There's right. no right order of hops that we take. And we may never even encounter every single facet of all the things that we have to think about right now. And so, Mm. so when I think about, you know, not personalizing and also Mm -hmm. forget what you were saying before about like not owning, we have empathy, but we don't have to actually wear other people's pain. Right. Right. We don't carry it with us. Um, it, It got me thinking, you know, how how can we be sure that we we are not dismissing other people's experience mm-hmm. and pain? And is there space mm-hmm. for a white girl like me mm-hmm. to say it hurts? Yeah, that's when right. people demonize my husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that, and I love your vulnerability and your emotion in that. Absolutely, it's a hundred percent. Yeah, so let me say a couple of things about that because what you just said is so important and there's so much pain, so much pain in that. I, and again, not that I know everybody, but I have so many people in my life and I'm so grateful that my church looks like what I think heaven would look like. That my friends yeah. in my life look the way I think heaven's going to look, right? And that none Love, of, love, love your community. Yeah, they're just amazing. I, I was a part of that community for a while. It's beautiful. And then you got kicked out. That was such a bad thing. It was a shame. That? I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the people I know, people of color, people in the brown and black community, and I'll elaborate on this, not one of them that I know of says anything bad about police officers. Mm-hmm. They talk about that there's a corrupt system, that this is about power. Right. This is about power. They are, Which they, is a fact. It's yeah. a fact. And, they, and, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, one of the best documentaries I've watched is 13th and understanding how we got to where we are yes. and how police got empowered. And, and again, the world psychology helps me. I want to share two examples, but this is what helps me. So there's this man named Philip Zimbardo. We got forced to watch him. I, I think it was graduate school. It could be an undergraduate. I don't remember, but it was still fascinating. So he did an experiment. He's a white man. And he did an experiment with a bunch of white frat boys. All right. And it's called the Stanford experiment. If you want to look it up, they eventually turned it into movies, my understanding or documentary or something. He took them into the prison and he had, he interviewed them. Well, you want to be a guard? You want to be a prisoner? And they all decided which one they wanted. And so they were supposed to be there for two weeks. The only rule was the guards could not physically hit the prisoners. So within a few days, the guards are beating the prisoners. Now, these are all frat boys. It became about power. Yeah. It became about power. They lasted six days. The prisoners decompensated 
emotionally and mentally, they were so traumatized. Their PTSD came on so quickly because, mm-hmm. again, they, they went into either sympathetic or dorsal vagal, which means they could not be themselves. They were simply trying to survive. And, that, and then it became, is this really an experiment? Am I really here? Like, it was so painful for them. And the guards were so elated by their power. They got to decide if someone went to the bathroom, if someone ate. It was too much power. And so they had to shut it down after six days. Wow. That's extraordinary. So, yeah. So I'm just saying, if you gave that much power to anybody, and it's going to go to my second example, people step out of who they are, which is, again, the social engagement, who we're meant to be. We're meant to be expansive. We're meant to have our hands stretched so we can, like Jesus was, just so we can just hug people. Yeah. And given power, misused. Not the power your husband was given. That's, he doesn't misuse his power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So other people have in any position have. Yeah. And it's a problem and there needs to be reform. It doesn't make it your husband. And I will speak out any point, any time for police officers. And it doesn't mean, and I explained it to people about, about teeth when I had a really bad tooth. I have 32 teeth. I have one that was horrible. My focus <laughs> is not on the other 31. My focus is on the one that eventually had to be extracted because it had an abscess and it was such a bad tooth. But my focus at the time was a really great, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, my focus was like, oh, praise God, I had 31 good teeth. No, no. I was like, get the, get her, get, get her. That's all (laughs) I could think about was the one that hurts, right? I'm so grateful for the 31, everybody, but not in that moment. So I really, really hope we, you know, again, whenever I see a police officer, I always tell them I'm grateful. And whenever I see black people, I wave, not because of racism, because I love everybody. I love right. them. You know, I find black men particularly beautiful. I just yeah, do. Right. I do know that about you. Okay. All right. Everybody knows about me. Okay. So <laughs> let, me go to, let me go into the second experiment. This is fascinating. So I'm sure you know who Jane Elliott is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, amazing woman, but right after Martin Luther King Jr. was killed in 1968, she went into her classroom and she's trying to talk to these little eight-year-olds about what happened to Martin Luther King Jr. And so these kids ask these, say these things like, well, black people are treated differently. Native Americans, of course, that's not the term they use, are treated differently. All this kind of stuff. And she said, well, I want to help you understand. So she divided the class by brown eyes and blue eyes. If you had brown eyes, you were superior, you were more intelligent, you got longer recess, you got more food at lunch. And blue eyes had to wear a band on their arm saying that they did not, they were inferior. These little brown eyes kids quickly grabbed hold of their power and made fun of the kids with blue eyes and treated them differently. Wow. Hmm. Then she switched it until the blue eyes were more powerful. But the blue eyes couldn't do it. The blue eyes little kids, all white kids, could not do that to their brown eye classmates because they knew what it was like to be treated differently. Mm-hmm. And so they couldn't grab a hold of it as much. They had some empathy. They had empathy. Yeah. So here's my definition of empathy. Empathy is a mutual connection with or without mutual experience. That's good. So a lot of times not having the same experience as somebody is better. So when you're talking to people of the brown and black community, if you're, if you're white, then you're, you can give them empathy because you're going to ask questions, sit with them. 
don't tell them what their experience is. The opposite yeah. of empathy is invalidation. No mm-hmm. one has a right to you to Ooh. look at you and tell Say, you. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Say it again. The opposite of empathy is invalidation. I think that's what I needed to hear, Kim. Yeah. Thank so you. So no one has the right to invalidate you what it's like to be a police officer's wife. Even before right. all this, you don't know if your husband's going to come home every night. Mm-hmm. What you carry in that is unbelievable. And now with all of this, anyway, I can go on that forever. But yeah, that's so yeah. not the point. <laughs> but right. But see, and there's an empathy because there are there are black moms sending their kid out. Right. Don't know if their kid's going to come back. Exactly. That's our connection point. And to me, now, having done some work and growth Mm -hmm. in all of this, that is the point. It is more important for us to focus on that fact. That's an everyday experience for a massive people group. Yep, that's right. right. And that, to me, is far more important than the choice that we made to be an LEO Mm -hmm. family. That is a choice. That's right. There is no choice in that There's no for choice. people of color. That's, that's right. Yeah. That's so right. Right. to me, the focus has shifted over time mm-hmm. um, to not personalize things like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's still pain there, right? Because like, yeah, of course. I, I I see my husband being coming home and being affected by the things that are you know screamed in his face, and that's right. Exactly. That's hard. That's hard. But at the same time, this family has to put that put that away not away mm-hmm. and ignore it and bury it but like say that the thing that's more important for us in this season is to be an anti-racist family that's that right. has that's to right. be the most important thing right now that's right and that's but just that doesn't so invalidate our pain no it doesn't but it's powerful right. to know that you're still your job you're still saying hey as a christ follower because that's who we're following right. I, i'm not following anyone besides him right and in that i i want to be anti-racist and because he's I'm leading following. the church to that right now it's, in this season. What, amen. Amen. He's leading yeah. the church to that. So yeah. just a small example of people. So I, my best friend, she's a doctor. Love her. Smart, second smartest person I know. My daddy's the smartest person I know. My daddy's white. And he's my favorite person. That's beside the point. So <laughs> um, whenever I go for a run, true story, she'll ask me when I come back, um, if I text or whatever, hey, I'm back from my run. And, uh, and really, as a single woman, you have to do stuff like that. You have to have someone who knows you're leaving and come back. That's a whole trauma thing we want to go into, right? And That's, she'll say, how was your important. run? That is important. I'll say, she'll say, how was your run? I'll say, oh, it was really hot or my legs cramped up, whatever it is. And she'll always say, but you have legs, but you got to go. That is so invalidating. So guess what my answer is now? Good. It was good. It was good. I could have been hit by a car. My answer would be the same. It was great. Yeah. Because... There's no empathy. It doesn't let it be my experience. It always becomes about her needing for me to be positive about it. Mm-hmm. Please don't take your positive grandiosity need for someone to be grateful because that mm-hmm. becomes a cover. That becomes a form of invalidation. Totally. So, so yeah, someone's I'm guilty you. of toxic positivity. This yeah, girl right here. That's a better way to put it. That is a go-to for me. It's yes. like, but... Because yeah. I often need it. I need that perspective yeah. shift because I can right. be a complainer and negative person right. if I, if I let myself go there. doesn't get to be about the person's actual experience. So that's right. what empathy is. Let it be about the person who's sharing. That's so let good. Let it be about what they're saying and what's going on. Right? That's a that's therapy so thing. If you're – like I have somebody I work with and she is uh, – she's the most negative person I've ever met. And so in time, I finally said, hey, do you know every story sounds the same? 
every tone of voice, everything someone says to you, it's the same thing. And they're all different people. How is that? Hmm. So then she could look at that. But see, you better, you better be in a relationship with somebody who talked that way. You, right. You, there better be a co-regulation. It better be a trust, safe. a safety. Mm-hmm. And it has to be safety and connection to say that. So if someone shares with you, hey, this that I know that guy just treated me that way because I'm black. Please don't talk him out of it. Mm. it if you share that I'm really worried about my husband as a police officer, please don't look at Tia and say to her, Oh, he's got gear. He'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Let, let people right. be where they are. Meet them where they are because that's what Jesus did for us and for Christ followers. And that's how we're going to interact with people. That's so good. So I wonder if that translates to to us as disciples in our relationship with each other. And when it's time to admonish or rebuke, that we better be co-regulating before we step into that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, honestly. So like— good. Maybe we could do damage if we're not. Right. Yeah, I, I will tell you that one of the few people that can admonish me is Naeem, my pastor, because mm, we co-regulate. Yeah, he is. We co-regulate so well together that when he says, "Hey, you can't put those kind of pictures on Facebook," you know, sometimes <laughs> there's pictures of Shamar Moore on there, but that is sure. And he's like, "You can't do that." And I'm like, <laughs> "You're right." <laughs> <laughs> like you're right. It's oh objectifying. Gosh. It's wrong. I can't do that. Right? But right. If, if someone I don't know texted me and said that, I might have to really take it to the Lord because you don't have spiritual authority with me. Right. Right? Yeah. 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 So we, we, we need those two other people in our lives that when we, they say something, we, we, got, we get it. Right? It's valid. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Kim, you can just bill me. Okay. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> It's going to cost both of you a hug. When we're allowed to hug again, I like some hugs. Okay, okay, yeah. deal. Jess, do you have anything? You've been so quiet over there. I've totally dominated. What What do you have that you wanted to ask no, or I've say to Kim? I've just been listening and absorbing. You had great questions this time. We kind of trade off. This time, she just this time the bus. <laughs> we do. We some. It just kind of depends on on the guest and the topic. Sometimes it's yeah. full steam ahead for Jess, and sometimes it's full steam ahead for me. So, right. Yeah, you always I, get like big name people on here. I don't know how y'all do that. We don't know. Well, either. we have our secrets. <laughs> right, I bet. Well, hey, uh, do us a favor, Kim. You let Naeem Fazel know that we want him on our show. We've oh, never yeah, been I'll able to pin him down for an interview. Oh, I'll tell him. He's doing so much right now. I'll tell him. I if know. he doesn't do this, I'll get everybody out of the church. That's it. I will. There you go. The revival, right? <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Jess? Well, I was just going to say this has been so good and so informative and mm. Lately, I've been trying to just take the posture of like, listen mm, and good. absorb. And um, I, I, I don't have input yet. Like I, I yeah. am a kindergartner or first grader in a lot of this stuff and trying to do my job of really learning. And mm-hmm. um, I just started the What Lies Between Us course with Dr. Yeah, Lee Berry and Brownicity. And for the first three weeks of that course, I'm not allowed to discuss. I am there to learn and educate mm. myself so that right. I can discuss with real context. Right. Um, that's so, so good. Yeah, so this was good yeah. for me. And yeah, yeah. yeah just that's to great. And you, let me say this, Lucretia and I are sisters, and she means a lot to me. And I think one thing that's important is to everyone to know, Lucretia's dad was a police officer. I and did not know that. Well, no, we yeah. did know that from when she was on the show. She's never going to be anti-cop. I can promise you. Ever. Right. It's just about 
it's about isolating what's happening and understanding that there's a power system that when people have tried to speak up about it, they've been fired or shut down. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's for everybody. We're trying yes. to take that, that power away for everybody so that it can, you can be the police officer that, because you, you know, a lot of police officers get very disappointed. It's not what they think it's going to be. Totally. Right. Oh yeah. That's why I want to go into it. Power tripping. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Of, it's too much paperwork, you know, but <laughs> Um, That's how I felt about nursing. <laughs> yeah, isn't it shocking how much paperwork yeah. you end up having to do? Yeah, so much. Somebody it's meetings. why I'm self-employed. So you should see that's the notes I write after each patient. It's like had nice shoes on, and that's it. <laughs> I'm not doing anything else. That's it. <laughs> that is a lie, and I know it. <laughs> uh, well, Kim, where can people find you if they want to follow you on social media? Oh, that's so sweet. Well, unless they're going to be toxic and cuss me out for believing in the Lord. Yes, you have to be nice if you're going to yeah. follow Kim. You have to be fairly nice and have a good sense of humor. But please find me on Facebook as Kim Honeycutt. And then my handle on Instagram is at KBB for the best Honeycutt. <laughs> <laughs> and my book, so humble. I'm so humble. It's amazing. It inspires um, me. Yep. Yeah, in my uh, my book, But Your Mother Loves You, it's about the fact that my mom was very toxic, very sick, and that, that there you go. And the good Lord restored that. That's on mm-hmm. Amazon, or you can go to my website, ButYourMotherLovesYou.com. Um, I have a YouTube channel. But the big thing to always forget is ICU talks. Don't forget that. How do I forget something? That's, so six years ago, the Lord had me start a mental health speaking ministry called ICU Talks, and completely for free. It's my service to the community. And we have a bunch of volunteers work for free. And Tia has been an amazing speaker for us. We're going to get her back on the stage next year. I feel good. Next about year, that. baby. I'm there. Next year, we're doing it. So icutalks.org, please go there. We have a resource tab, therapist listed, listed, inpatient, outpatient. We have video after video of any topic where people struggle with. We truly believe that your emotional stability and your spiritual fulfillment can't surpass each other. And then we need mm. to, wait, 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 one more time. I keep wanting you to repeat it because it's so good. Your yeah, emotional, we're out of time. Your emotional oh, we are out of time. and your spiritual fulfillment cannot surpass each other. Okay, bye. <laughs> Kim, thank you so much. We really do y'all. appreciate thank you coming you. back. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And listeners, thank you for joining us again this week. Follow us on Instagram at Collected Ministries. Um, Or if you have more questions about anything that we've shared today or in any of our social posts, um, email us at info at collectedministries.org. And we'd love to start to dialogue more with the people in our community and who listens. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you would help spread the word. Check back here for weekly episodes dropping every Thursday. You can follow Collected on social media at Collected Workshops. The Collected Podcast is also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecollectedpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as $1 a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, exclusive contests, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes, Jess at Spreza Foundry, Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to prevent and support unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is recorded and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Alon.